0: The following programming is sponsored by Tom Toole III. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. And we have Gabe behind the camera. And we all work with the... Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we are streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just Google Tom Tool Sales Group. And we are here to talk about the spring market. We've got a couple really interesting pieces of data we're going to share in our first couple segments and then talk about some insurance needs on the third one. So let's get into it. You guys ready? All right. So our good friend, David Childers, From Keeping Current Matters, if he was on our show, I think about a year ago, something like that, Um, he had a, I not only got to see him last week at Boomtown Unite, which was very insightful, but he comes out each month with information for realtors to share with their clients, getting them informed about the market, and I find this is one of the biggest gaps in the business. Most realtors can't explain the economy, they can't explain what's going on, and it doesn't inspire confidence with consumers, so... What I wanted to share with everyone today are five slides. Like real estate agents, they should have them on their phone ready on demand for a showing. Have you guys ever done that by the way? Like have like a slide of information that's there and just kind of show it to somebody? I haven't. This is this is new for me, but I like the idea. Um, no, I haven't
1: either. And I also I like that with these slides you could just have them on your phone and not rely on, you know. Wi-Fi or like pulling up a whole, yep. you know, prepared uh, slideshow deck to show somebody just being like, hey, because I think that having, you know, a visual there to support what you're saying and having data to support what's going on in the market really, you know, gives some clarity and um and hits all different types of you know, personalities, you know, some people need to see stuff, some people need to see, need to hear something, but being able to kind of show that in a quick, easy fashion, I think goes a long way.
0: I agree. Um, I think some people, they just, what they're going to do is they're not going to follow through on things. They're not going to understand it when they learn audibly. They have to see it. It has to be visual and it gives you third party validation, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about each one of these slides here in our first segment and then how, how you how that applies to our market and if we're going over it. So the, the first slide that David talked about was that there's more new listings than active listings. And they compared August 2021 all the way up until March. And I came prepared with our local data here today so we can give the real numbers. And what they're showing there is that March is the first month nationally. Now, now this, this is a little different locally. That's why I wanted to give give our data nationally that we saw more new listings come onto the market than the existing active listings that were kind of like sitting out there at come, come March 1st. So what do you think about the power of this? How would you communicate that to a client? Cause this graph for someone without any context, I don't think makes a lot of sense. So how do you explain that? What do you think about these?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it just speaks to how quickly properties are moving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that yes, this is great. That we've we finally have some more inventory hitting the market. That's outpacing, but it's also there's still absolutely urgency there um, because they will they will go quickly.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's very um, the market's moving so quickly in the sense that as soon as a new listing comes onto market, it gets under contract relatively quickly if it's positioned properly in the market if it's mm-hmm. priced accordingly. Um, and if it's even relatively in decent condition, <laughs> right. uh, the homes that may sit, may, and I use that word, may sit a little longer, would be homes that possibly need full renovations or um, you know, are in a little bit less of a uh, good condition. But right. other than that, the, the market moves so quickly with homes getting under contract very quickly.
0: Well, And how many times have you guys seen a buyer where they're like, oh, this is the first one, we are not ready. And, and And a lot of that's the fault of the agent because they're not... Telling their people, hey, here's what's going on. Here's how things go. Here's 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 what's going actually going on in the market, not what you heard. Because when you show this to people, I would find, like you said, Sarah, it's a lot more impactful seeing it versus we got insurance guru Kevin Hamill in the studio here. He just walked in. We're all waving at him. Um, it's more impactful seeing it than than actually just like hearing it from a realtor because they always assume, hey, Sarah and Stacey and Tom, all you guys want to do is sell me a house, and I don't I don't really believe you,
2: right. Yeah, I I think so. Sometimes when I'm I'm giving stats or <laughs> giving really important information, I see the buyers kind of look at me, and some of them, you know, might glaze over a little bit, or just look at me with that "nah, you're full of it, whatever" look. Um, but it's true, and it's relevant, and it's very very important. And uh, if you, I I love this idea to have these slides available because then, like you said, Tom, it, it totally validates what I'm saying
0: what i would go one step further is you talk about people's eyes glazing over right this happens a lot when it comes statistically into different things and some people like if you're an expressive personality type you just care if you like the house right, right. you're an expressive i mean would you would you actually want to know the data or you're like i want the house what would your
1: so I think it's, before
0: you got into real
1: estate, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I think I mean, mostly do I like the house, but having it backed up with actual info, especially as to like the urgency of jumping in or the importance of what your offer is going to look like and that you probably get one shot at writing it. Um, I think seeing those numbers would would back up my excitement for for a house
2: or that you have like six hours to get the offer in mm-hmm. before it goes under contract by somebody else. Some people think they, you know, I'll sleep on it or yeah. can, can I let you know Monday kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No. Right.
0: So, and, and for an expressive, I think this actually is, is not as helpful an analytical person 100%. Right. Yes. Right. A driver, yes. I'm clear this would help too because they'd yeah. see this, they take one look at it and said, all right, what do we got to do? I want to get the house. Right. The amiable, I think it's kind of hit or miss because it depends how, what they're, if they have any analytical to them. So I, I do see value in this. Um, to give some perspective, here's what's happening in our market. So I pulled all the, the county statistics. So Chester County in March, this is the first time we've seen the market go this way since the fall. 720 new homes were listed, 594 went pending. So new listings are starting to outpace pending sales, but literally everything that's coming on the markets is going under contract. So we're seeing very little there, but it, it, it's a good sign that there, there's a little more inventory. In Delaware County, 764 homes got listed, 625 went pending, so similar split. Uh, Montgomery County, bigger county, 1,187 homes listed, 1,027 pending, it. And in Philadelphia, 2,779 listed, 1,771 pending. it. So it, the numbers stack up here locally in, in the four-county area based on this slide. So I do see some value in this. So this is one I put on my phone. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next one then. So the next slide. Single family housing units completed in the in number of thousands year over year. And they have a line that says the like it's the fifty year average at the top. And hopefully on the on when we replay this, Gabe, we can get these slides actually like posted on the on, on the YouTube channel. Um uh, so it, it shows that this is the fourteenth straight year that's below the fifty year average of new homes built. So, what's your takeaway from this slide? Is this something you'd find useful here?
2: Oh my gosh, this one resonated to me. I was like, "Wow, okay, this makes perfect sense." It puts everything in perspective from the early two thousands to to now. What, um, you know, why the inventory is so low because there was no new construction for such a long period of time after the two thousand eight. Uh, great Recession. So this one really made a lot of sense to me. I think this one will help put things into perspective about the inventory when you're dealing with new buyers and like, look, this is, you know, just look at this chart and you, you'll you understand why. Um, it looks like it's creeping up a little bit in 2020, um, but it's still not enough to really make a dent in in the situation.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it it is a great visual to show because one of the most Common things you hear is like, well, why isn't there any inventory or why I'm going to wait because soon there's going to be a lot more of like properties that that hit the market. And this kind of shows that, you know, this this absolutely supports where a lot of these numbers come from. And we're going to be feeling the effects while it has you know crept up here um, in more recent years. We're going to be feeling the effects of that dip for um, still for for quite a few years to come.
2: Especially because the millennial market—you know, the millennials coming to Mm -hmm. market—that's a whole very large group of people that are entering the housing market. So, um, you know, you have the low new construction housing numbers, along with the increase in these buyers. This whole pool of buyers, the Mm -hmm. um, millennials—it just really puts strain on everything.
0: Well, and, and think about our market in particular. When was the last time you saw like a new home development that wasn't more than like 20 or 30 properties anywhere in like the, you know, I mean, I think of places like media, right? Media, they have these like smaller townhome developments, but they don't have big single family homes getting built. You see some more out in like Downingtown in that area because it's a little more rural. There's more land to build on. Mainline is the same thing. You know, Philadelphia, they're tearing stuff down. There's just not a lot of new construction because we're in an older market and, I, folks don't get that. Like, anytime someone says I want to buy new construction, I'm like, get ready to pay high taxes and pay a really high price for a home because new homes cost more than used homes. They're, they're, it's it's documented and proven. So, is this something you would both use when you're when you're out meeting with people?
1: 100, percent absolutely. And I think it also goes to show there's certainly a buyer pool there who want only even if they're not saying I need it to be like brand new construction to me. I want something that's done within the last couple years because I don't want to have to worry about an older home. And this (laughs) kind of goes to show, well, there's not going to be a ton that hits that that was built in the last several years that you're going to be able to to get into and have it, you know, be five years old. It just there isn't a lot of it there.
0: All right. So we're all in agreement. This is important to let people know. and, And you want to show them, hey, like there's just not this inventory doesn't exist. So really, really valuable. This third one. This might be my favorite of all five. This third one here. So it's called home ownership: a hedge against inflation, and it compares home price appreciation to the consumer price index over decades. So if you don't know what the consumer price index is, it basically shows um, it's a statistic that measures the average change over time in the prices paid by consumers for the market basket of consumer goods like housing, food, that 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 sort of stuff. So. Uh, and it shows that in the 70s, um, an inflation rate was 7.1%, uh, home price appreciation was 99 And then it was kind of like, even in the 80s, it was 5.6% inflation, 5.5% home price appreciation. And again, that, that's the average. 90s, it dropped. And we know the 90s had some you know, different economic times, 3% inflation, 4% uh, home price appreciation. Then we get into 2020, and, tw- and it was kind of fluctuating in like the two and a half to five range until about 2020. And then they have a 1.4% inflation rate and a 9.2% home appreciation rate. And then in 2021, 6.8% inflation and 18% home price appreciation. So how would you use this? Is this something you're going to keep on your phone and show to people out in the field?
2: Yeah, this is another one that I absolutely love. Um, And I'm starting to hear folks say, well... Uh, the interest rates are going up, so I'm going to wait and wait till they drop. <laughs> um, so this will come in handy because I can explain the inflation rate at, and to the, uh, the home price appreciation value, too. And I think that's really important for buyers to know that um, definitely it still is the right time to purchase because the interest rates are still low, (laughs) you know, even if they're at five, five and a half percent, they're still low. And to get into a home now, because you're going to enjoy this appreciation value over the next couple of years. I think it's really important for them to understand that. And this is going to help tell that story.
1: Right. And I think it's, it's a good visual to, to kind of back up that owning a home is a good investment. And, um, that while well, we have had an incredible market over the past couple of years and we have seen um, a competitive market, that when you secure that home, you've you've secured an investment for yourself and something that's going to continue to appreciate and something that's going to continue to provide for you and something that you can enjoy while it's doing its mm-hmm. work for you. Mm-hmm.
0: It also shows that owning a home is the best hedge for most people against inflation. That's what they call the slide. And, and the reason that's yep. important is that there's been only one decade since the 1970s where home price appreciation was lower than the inflation rate. And the differential the past three years, I mean, you're talking about a delta of almost 8% in 2020 and of you know, almost, almost 12% in 2021. It's just short of 11. Everyone's worried about, okay, gas, the prices of gas are going up. It's more like supply chain. I've, I mean, it's, it's people talk about this all the time. They're not talking about if you buy a home you're actually gaining wealth exponentially in spite of the inflation rate. And the people that say, I don't, I don't want to overpay, well, you're actually over-losing. <laughs> right. I don't know if that's a real term, but you're right. over-losing by not owning a home because it's, if you have the money to spend, they're going to spend it on other stuff, and it's not an asset that's accumulating. It's like the person that buys a car and says they don't want to buy a home. Well, it's the exact opposite of what you want to do. So I, I, this, this really, most people don't know about inflation. I mean, the average consumer you guys are dealing with, do they have any concept of inflation relative to home price appreciation? No. Mm No. All the more reason to show them this one. To me, this is probably the most important. I don't think folks get that. Even as rates rise, it still doesn't really matter because you're still getting inflation 6.8%. Rates are 5%. So you're beating inflation right now by owning a home.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And even if you, there's so many great loan programs available. Even if you don't have 20%, because I've heard people say they're waiting Mm -hmm. for till they have 20%. Don't wait. Pay the PMI. You're going to pay PMI. It's going to be less that you're paying out in PMI than you're going to have your home appreciate over the next couple of years. So you're going to make more. Then you're going to be paying that PMI is going to be peanuts compared to what you're going to be able to make in in that um, in that value of your home. So don't wait.
1: Absolutely, and I would say, and this is like a great um, argument for talk to your lender and get actual numbers and actual facts rather than just kind of going off what you think or what you've heard. Um, you know, talk talk to somebody who really knows and get an evaluation of your your situation and get some real solid figures.
0: So get clear on inflation versus home price appreciation. That one, I think, it really gives some... And, and get financially informed. I think that's always been a, a message here, no matter what you're doing. So we're we're three for three on these slides. So, so far, David has delivered. We got two more, and then we'll, we'll, we'll take a break. Um, the fourth one, this one is also very important. Not my favorite, but important. It has a number, $96,342 at the top, and then it lists it as potential growth in household wealth over the next five years based solely on an increasing home equity if you purchased a $360,000 home in January 2022. And what it did was it showed not you paying down the debt, but expected appreciation over the next five years at the current rate. That's how much wealth you can build just by paying your mortgage on time. What do you think about this one?
2: I actually like this graphic because it has a really big number at the top over the next five years, and or else six years, and I think that that resonates with people um, if they just have a real quick visual, and that's what this provides. You know, it's obviously it's a sliding scale; it could go one way or the other, but it still gives you a ballpark of what potentially um, your investment in real estate can can. Bring back to you in a short period of time at the rates that we are have been experiencing over the last couple of years. So, to me, I think this is a really good one uh, to show people, and anybody can look at this chart and understand it.
1: Right, and I think it's I think it's also great that you know their bump here from 2022 to 2023 is a bit more significant of an increase than the following years, based off of the projections that they've given for how everything will appreciate what interest rates are and so it's it's taking all of that into account and for people who are saying, you know, listen, I'm going to wait till everything cools off. There's no way that this can sustain. You know, all of the different things that we hear. Yes, that's that's true like in in terms of everything can't sustain exactly the way that it is, but it's showing you that if you if you get into the pool here, you're going to be building wealth for yourself and it's going to happen year over year and you don't have to wait 30 years for, um, you know, to see this, yeah, that's a nice big number there at the top <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's, that's happening in, in five years.
0: Mm-hmm. It also, people, they think like, oh, I don't want to overpay and this is another, here's how you're losing if you're waiting because, What happens is a lot of folks that think that they they see that homes are selling quickly and and all that sort of stuff. I get all that. I mean, we know that it's a challenging market for people to buy into a property right now. They don't get the benefits. There's tax benefits on top of this, right? There's the ability to build wealth, have an asset that appreciates just by you living there versus paying down someone else's debt, which is the other option. And and what's happening right now is that with rates going up, it's forcing people to get off the fence. Meaning they're not going to buy at all, or they're going to realize they should have bought when we told them to last year on this show or whenever it was or maybe their family situation changed or their household situation changed. There's a lot of money at stake here. That's life-changing money for a lot of people and that's what I don't think folks realize just by paying a mortgage and making the decision that I'm not going to go rent and I'm going to be responsible with my money. They're able to build their wealth almost automatically and that doesn't include like any like other additional savings plan they have or anything else. And that's one of the big misses for a lot of people in the population right now is they don't have a savings plan. They don't have a wealth-building plan. And for the you know the average consumer, we're talking about a $360,000 home. That's about the average sale price in our market. And that demonstrates to me how important it is. If you want to build wealth, you've got to get into a home.
2: Yeah, and the the security that... The steady monthly payment, you know what your mortgage is going to be. Most of most everybody's mortgages are set for the most part, given any tax changes, things like that. But you know what your monthly payment is going to be. You don't know. Everybody has to have housing, everybody has to have a place to live. So if you're renting, you don't know what your monthly payment is going to be from year to year or month to month, whatever your lease term is. So that can fluctuate and change. So, but with your mortgage, you know that you're going to be set for a long period of time so you can budget, eventually put more towards your savings or other investments or buy more real estate where you can really hedge against inflation in that way and build even more generational wealth. But you have to start somewhere and you have to get in into the housing market. And it's it's just really, really important. And it's That's why I love working with first time home buyers too, because Mm -hmm. if, especially if they're like the first people in their family to buy a home and you're getting them set up for that generational wealth and they have kids and you're like, wow, this is one of the best and biggest decisions that you're making. So yeah, I love this chart.
0: Love it. All right, so we're four for four. Last one here, home price forecasts for 2022. And notably Zillow's not on here because they've revised theirs like four times. We've talked about it on the show. Uh, and they list out CoreLogic, Fannie Mae, uh, Freddie Mac, NAR, Ivy Zellman. There's seven forecasts on here and the average of the seven is 6.7% increase in home values over 2022. So is this something you're showing people? Are you having these conversations? Talk to me about how you can utilize this or this will make sense to save on your phone as well.
1: Sure. I mean, I think that um, this is this is another great visual, another great way to demonstrate that getting into the market is locking you into something that is going to work for you. Um, and that, you know, while this, as we've said, has been an incredible couple years and it's hard to predict what exactly will will come into place. We've talked about, you know, rising home prices and and all these different things. I think this is a nice, steady, healthy number um, that is above what, you know, What, 5% is what had always kind of been standard Mm -hmm. over many, many years now. So this is still a little bit above that. It's showing like this is going to be working for you more than it had in previous years. But it's also not an unrealistic, unsustainable um, growth.
0: Mm -hmm. Well said.
1: And it also shows that home prices are not going to
2: drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Which people, I hear that a lot too. I'm going to wait for the prices to come down.
0: I so mean, if you want to wait till 2027, then <laughs> right. good luck. So we're going to talk about that on the next segment. It's a great segue. Um, what, what I love about this is that there's all these different opinions out there, right? They could have you know put in the, the Zillow one Zillow from like 16, then like the 22%. I'd imagine they're going to revise it again, just as an aside. Um, it shows, hey, here's what everyone's saying. And here's the average because none of these people are right 100% of the time. So it gives you a good cross section of what the experts who get paid to make these predictions because they know the market, they know the economy, they understand all this. Here's what the average is. So all this does is it gives you some insight in making a big decision because- I mean, 6.7%, like you said, Sarah, that, that's, that's above the, the norm. Um, and you know, 5% would even be strong in a lot of cases, but that's kind of what a lot of people expect right now. So all it does is show, hey, here's the forecast. You're not going to lose money on this investment. Plus, you're not paying down someone else's debt, which I'm going to mm-hmm. say over and over and over again. It, get, it instills confidence here. And it's not you saying it. It's, hey, here's these seven really well-known sources that are telling us this. I'm just repeating it to you to help you make a good decision. I agree. So you guys would use all five of these. So David's right yeah. on here.
2: He's right absolutely. On.
0: All right, David, I'm sure you're listening. We're going to use all <laughs> five. We're going to roll this out to our organization here later today. So good stuff here. And I think more importantly, good data for the consumer to understand if they're thinking about making a, a purchase or a sale. And if you're interested in this kind of like sales tactics about sharing data with people and getting them informed, and you're thinking about getting into real estate, check out our real estate scholarship program. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. All the information's there. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about what it would take for the housing market to actually crash instead of people just continuing to talk about it and speculate. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860
3: AM. or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America.
4: Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliance's Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610 816 0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings.
0: Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610 692 6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now, here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at REMAX mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom Tool with an E.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool, she's Sarah Time, and she's Stacy Mitchell. We've got Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance in here. We'll make him talk on the last segment, in case he doesn't say anything now. <laughs> Gabe's behind the, uh, the camera, as always, and we all work, with the exception of Kevin, at the Tom Tool Sales Group, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we are streaming live on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So... We talked about what agents need to be telling people the important data for these big financial decisions that are, are really up to date. There was an article from uh, Logan uh, Matashami at housing Wire. I hope I'm saying his name right. And I found this to be really interesting. How, how many times have you guys heard we're in the middle of a housing bubble over mm-hmm. the past 24 months? How many times?
2: Burst. Oh, millions.
0: Millions.
1: That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard it millions. I would
0: say I would say hundreds. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, countless.
0: Countless. Good answer. Kevin, what about you? Are you hearing that? Yeah, I like the countless answer. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good stuff. So so we're hearing it a lot is the point, right? Yes. And that, that that's pretty critical. So uh, Logan came out with an article. This dropped on the 8th, um, so a couple days ago, on Housing Wire. And it, it, it basically was titled, What Would It Take to Crash the Housing Market? And I, the subtitle here I love. If you're saying 2008 all over again, you're already wrong because so many people are so dead set that this is a housing bubble. So he went through this article, and we're going to give you the summary here, and broke down what it would take for a a, a crash to actually happen. So I'm going to give a couple key points. I want to hear your comments on them. So he listed later in the article, if you go towards the bottom of it, and again, this is on Housing Wire, that the first thing that would need to happen would be inventory increases on a massive scale Over six months of housing supply with duration and a total inventory levels skyrocketing as we saw from 2006 to 2011. So that would be the first step there. So, do we even see that happening right now? I want to just take us through the real life scenarios here. He's smarter than we are, he understands this stuff. Do we agree with this, disagree, and do we anticipate it happening in the next six to 18 months?
1: Um, I do
2: not anticipate that happening. Okay. <laughs> I agree with him. I don't anticipate us having six months plus inventory. As uh, we saw on one of the charts provided by David, um, we know the reason why. There's not going to be a boom in inventory. So, uh, yep, I don't think it's going to happen.
0: So, so tell us more about that because in what he says here, that he's praying every day that inventory just gets back to the 2019 level, which we saw like a three to four month supply of inventory, at least in the greater Philadelphia area, versus right now we're at less than a month in the suburbs, uh, just under two months in the city. So I mean, we don't see it happening because, tell us more.
1: Well, I think one, um, because of the the uh, lack of new homes that were built over the last 14 mm-hmm. years. Um Number two, the number of buyers that are out there. We have all these millennial buyers um, and we have people that have been saving for, you know, over the last couple of years here. Um, So I just I think even if we get a huge burst of inventory that hits the market, it's not going to sit for six plus months. Um, You know, if anything, it would it would give some of these buyers that are out there just a chance to, you know, jump in the pool. Yeah,
2: I agree. And, you know, we have a whole influx of people coming into our area, too, from other states and uh, New York, New Jersey, from heavily Mm -hmm. populated areas. So um, that hasn't changed and it's not changing. I mean, they've built so many new apartment buildings in the area and they're full. They're at capacity. So um if you take some of those folks that might want to purchase a home, I don't see how we're going to get to ni- uh, 2019 levels anytime soon. I-, I just can't see that.
0: So he categorizes and I agree with both of you. He categorizes the current inventory as savagely unhealthy. It's pretty it doesn't wow. sound very good. Yeah. Um uh, I don't ag- a lot of people are saying there's no inventory on the market. There's no stale inventory. That's what yeah. we're talking about here. Yep. If you look at annual months of supply from 1999 up until 2014, it never went any lower than 4.3 months. And during 08, 09, 10, 11, and then 12 when the market kind of shifted. We saw inventory go from like a four and a half and it jumped all the way up to 10, 8.8, 9.4. So, and we have a negative year over year inventory data currently in 2022. So until that rises back up to those, and I, I think 2019 levels are, are, are really the, the goal here, getting to four or five months, I'd be shocked right now. I just don't see it. There'd have to be a ton of homes come on the market. And going off our last segment, these people with these low interest rates locked into these homes because they refinanced three, four, five times. They're just not moving anytime soon right. unless there's like a need for it to happen. So I agree. I, I don't I don't see that happening anytime soon. And if, even if it did, it's going to take at least six, 12, 18 months for that to happen. So I, I agree with you. I think I don't think one is going to happen anytime soon. So inventory increasing at a massive scale. So we're all in agreement there is what I'm hearing. Correct. Second ingredient, thank you, Sarah. Um, second ingredient, demand to drop and drop fast with no market bid for homes, allowing inventory to rise at a faster pace. And what he goes on to say is that he hasn't seen too much difference in the year to date trend in purchase applications refinance applications are down heavily because of rates. That, that, that's very clear. Um, and after making the, yeah, you have to really adjust the 2020 data because this time two years ago we were locked in our houses and couldn't leave because we live in the great state of Pennsylvania. So, um, he adjusted the data and he can come up with only maybe a two to 4% impact year over year in terms of demand. That's not very much. So demand would have to drop and, inventory rising. So do we see that happening?
2: No, I don't see demand dropping. Um, Again, we have a whole influx of millennial buyers right now coming into the market, and that's going to span over the next five years, five to seven years, possibly, maybe longer, depending. Um, But they've all, not all, but A lot of them have Mm -hmm. decided, especially since covid, they've saved enough money and uh, they want to start their lives on their own. They're getting married. You know, they're at that age. So I don't see that changing anytime soon.
1: Absolutely. And I think that there's in addition to, you know, all of all of those people, I think there's even a reserve of people who, if things were a little bit different, would also want to be, you know, out in in this, you know, out competing for a home. So I think that there's, if things were to cool on one of these ends, there's backup people that are going to be yeah. coming out of the woodwork.
0: I'll go one step further. Not only do we have old millennial home buyers, we've talked about that at length, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them still don't own properties. So that that's one issue. Secondly, uh, what he goes on to say here is that you would need to see purchase application data to drop between 20 and 30% year over year for some time. So this isn't like a one-off. This is uh, this is going to take years for this to happen, with no recovery like we saw at the end of 2006, toward the bottom uh, end of the trend, like 2010, 2012. So, with all those people coming to the market, it's more than the baby boomers. They're there, and they're I th- my view is millennials have it the hardest right now out of any buyer because they, they like they don't they're they're trying to build wealth, but they don't own something else. They can't take advantage of the appreciation there and. Some of them don't know where they want to go. They're a little indecisive. Do we want to start a family now? Is this where we want to live for the next 20 years? So there, there there's some indecisiveness there, and a lot of them are in, like, cities where, you know, the market in Philadelphia is very different than the suburban market right now. We've uh, Stacey, I know you don't mm-hmm. go to the city. Mm-hmm. Sarah, you do. You've seen a stark difference between the two markets, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so until that purchase application data drops, and there's more millennials than baby boomers, and they drove the economy for three decades, I just don't see it happening. I mean, even with rates coming up, the only thing that's doing is the people that were like on the fence of affordability. They're not buying right now. There's still a lot of people that are like, oh, crap, I should have bought a home last year. Mm-hmm. And that demand is, is just not falling. In fact, if you look at what's going on in January so far in the purchase index, it's actually risen this year and it's expected to rise even more in, uh, in 2023. So I just I, I don't I don't see this just flipping overnight. And that's what, that's what it's going to take. I mean, there's only two things he talks about here. Mm-hmm. It's supply and demand. It's pretty easy. And for the demand to far outweigh the supply, we're going to have to see, well, okay, well, excuse me, for the supply to far outweigh the demand, we're going to have to see a lot of homes come to the market, a lot of people get out of their properties, and, and th- that, that's a slow process when someone's been in a home as long as they have been. I agree. Yeah. So are you going to use this data to help consumers who think there's a bubble? How do you explain this? Like you're talking to the buyer on the street you just met yesterday or the seller who you're meeting with. How are you going to explain it to him? Because we went pretty deep economically here. What's it sound like for the person that has no idea what the economy is doing right now and just needs advice on buying or selling a home?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily hand them this whole article and say to to read it. But I think, you know, the basic bullet, bullet points of, you know, this is not a bubble. This is why. And you know this is what you can expect in the coming years um and then probably incorporate some of the the slides from uh the keeping current matters into it to kind of back it up just you know this is what you know very smart people that have this is their focus have been looking at and you know you're analyzing it from many many years back and then projecting out what what they expect to happen um yeah there's it's impossible for this just to be a bubble. I would
2: ask them why they think it's a bubble and get them to explain to me where they got their information and not just say, well, my cousin told me or whatever. Um, And then just explain to them that what happened in 2008, because that's what a lot of people go back to. Agreed. It's completely different than where we are now. That was like Tom said, an institutional failure. You know, the banks were very insolvent at that time and everything collapsed around it. So, Um, We are definitely not there Since that time Everything's been tightened up Pertaining to uh, the lending practices And also the appraisal practices So that has, has been pretty much sealed up It's hard to get a a mortgage right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, but people, they're qualified and they want to buy a house. So there is the supply and demand issue. And I would go into greater detail about everything that we explained. Like Sarah said, I wouldn't give them this article to read because their eyes would glaze over. This article is pretty
0: in-depth. Like This is thorough.
2: (laughs) It is. But to have those um, slides and for people that are interested in that, the quick reference, I think um, it would definitely put things into perspective.
0: Well, this is where realtors fail a lot of times. They can, they know the answer, like we all, we all can articulate this, but they don't back it up with third-party data because realtors get a bad reputation. Eighty-seven percent are out of the business in five years. We know the stats because they just oh, you should buy this house. They don't, they don't give the reasoning behind it. They don't let people make their own decisions, right? And we've all gone through the home purchase process, home buying, home selling. It there's a lot of anxiety involved. You have to be empathetic to people, and when you're making this kind of decision, whether it's a $300,000 decision, a $600,000 decision, a million-dollar decision, whatever, you've got to give them the data to keep them well-informed. It's no different than investing or, or you know, like we have Kevin Hamill coming on next. Like we can talk about insurance, those sort of things. Like th- th- there's big decisions here. What Logan goes on to say, and here, here's, the, he, here's how he – the only way this actually happens is that he says we need prices to fall this year, next year, and in 2024 to ensure – that we're under twenty three percent cumulative price growth for twenty twenty five, and unless inv- and with inventory collapsing the way it has been, it's just, it, just, it, there's almost no way statistically possible for this to happen. Um, so, and when you look at that, I mean, I don't. They're talking about double digit increases this year with some people mm-hmm. six, and in, in changes the average. We just talked about that. So, I, I just. I don't know how if if unless you are totally foreign to the data and like you said, their cousin tells them or their friend that like watched one like uh, uh, episode of CNBC or something like that, like those third party stories, it's just impossible. So we know what it would take for a bubble to happen, and what I'm hearing, and we're going to reaffirm this here and then take a break. There's no shot this is going to happen. Is that can we get some verbal yeses here, ladies? Yes. Yes. All right. So. No bubble happening anytime soon. We know what it would take. We'll have to have the supply and demand curves almost flipped. And that's not a quick process. So all the more reason to understand what's actually happening in the market so you can make a really good decision. So we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk with Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance. This guy knows everything about insurance. We're going to cover it all, tell you what to look out for in the home purchase process. This is Tooltime Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.
3: The Tom
0: Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand-new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA Service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. That's tomtool with an E.com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Buying
4: a home or already own one, we can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S. It's for savings. Have you
0: considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Uh All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. we got Gabe behind the camera. We all work with the Tom Tool sales group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And we've got special guest Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance. Kevin, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you first? It's the website, correct? The best
4: way to get in touch with me is actually my cell phone.
0: You're going to give your cell phone out on the radio. Bold move. Okay. Let's hear it. Everyone write this down and send inappropriate messages to Kevin, please.
4: (laughs) Please do. 267-614-4234.
0: 267-614-4234. Kevin Hamill with Alliances Insurance. So, Kevin, tell everyone a little bit about your company. You've been on before. Um, Obviously, I think there's a lot of things we're going to unpack here in the next 15 minutes or so, but... Tell them about your company, how you got started. Just to kind of let them know what, what what you do and what you're all about.
4: So I uh, started working with uh, another agency in Southern Chester County, and then in 2010 decided to open one myself. Um, have run uh, ran that my solely for about five years, and then my wife Karen came aboard. And now it's me, Karen, and we have an uh, office manager, Bambi, who, who's been fantastic. We're located in um, Phoenixville.
0: You sound really excited to be on the radio, by the way. So th- I do. Th- it's I, just... I
4: have a more of a face for TV. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we have you on video, so we can actually we can put a poll up and see what that is. So, uh, so you've been doing insurance for a while. Um, obviously, we're a show about real estate. So at, what, what's the biggest mistake people make when shopping for homeowners insurance, because I find it to be like the afterthought. Ladies, I mean, have you ever had someone like forget to get an insurance policy a week before settlement and they just call the first person they think of? Yes. So this is really common. There's a lot of risk with that, I know, but talk to us about the mistakes people make when shopping for insurance, because they look at it as a checkbox instead of a protection for them.
4: Correct. Well, one of the biggest mistakes is just waiting until the last minute to get the policy, because you never really know what the premium could be. Some, some houses are, uh, really expensive to insure or uninsurable. So if there was a claim on the property that they live in now, and then, another claim on the property that they're purchasing, in some cases they could be declined for insurance. And then they going to the settlement table and they can't close the deal. Uh, so that's the, the biggest one if you want to go catastrophic, but, um, I'd say the most common mistake is people just looking at the premium what's it gonna cost me how much is it gonna cost me but you know with anything in life you, you basically you're gonna get what you pay for so a lot of those cheap policies that you you know call Geico I know they do homeowners insurance but they really pretty much just branch it out you're speaking with somebody that's not licensed and they're putting together the homeowners insurance policy with bare bones um, They'll say how much are you purchasing the home for or what is what is your loan? And you you know, throw a number out there like two hundred and thirty thousand. So they'll make the dwelling amount match the loan amount when the insured the, the house should be insured for like five hundred thousand dollars. One of the biggest misconceptions is with insurance, homeowners' insurance is the value the dwelling coverage which is coverage a and replacement cost of the home is the same as the market value which is absolutely not the case market value does not have any impact on how much the labor is going to cost how much the materials are going to cost to rebuild the home to the way that it was standing before the fire or whatever had happened um but yeah that, that's definitely the biggest one and something I, I probably end up talking about, if not once a day, every other day. Because they always come back and say, oh, you know, I'm purchasing a house for 600000 You have it covered for a million. And well, you know, when, you, when you're when pay, you paying that much money for something, you want it to be the way it is that you, you purchased it, if that makes sense. I don't know if I, I must have missed. I might have missed a few words in between there.
1: No, I think that makes sense., uh, that you, yeah, you need to be able to get it back to what it was, and like there's going to be additional expenses that go into it. And not to mention, I mean, I'm sure with everything going on with, um, you know, inflation right now and supply chain issues and all of these other factors that can come into play if you're not properly insured, you're going to wish you were (laughs) right and that the only time you really truly find out if you're
2: properly insured if if you don't listen to to kevin's and take his advice is when something catastrophic happens and you realize oh my gosh i'm not going to be able to rebuild this unless i totally take out all my savings and Mm -hmm. everything else and that's when you find out that you should have listened to kevin
0: Yep. Well, think about some of these homes that, that exist right now, and 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 not some of the newer homes, but some of the older properties. They're built with like stone. I mean, you can't even like buy that anymore. Like it's, right. it's, it's a major issue. Um, a, a neighbor of mine went through this where he had like a two dollar plumbing pipe burst. It caused four hundred thousand dollars worth of damage in his house, and he's fighting with the insurance company the entire time about how he's going to get his money and how he's going to rebuild his home. And this seems like a pretty common thing for the people that cut corners when they're getting insurance. Is that is that an accurate story? One hundred percent. Yep. So how do you safeguard against that? Like what, what what's your process like? And, and because I think that's what people really need to know is that's why you need to actually talk to someone on the phone and not get on the phone with one of these big box companies.
4: Well, yeah, I talk to them about the insur- insuring your home to the value, to the proper value. Um, and then when they, obviously, they're going to come, come back that a little bit, but then I'll say I, I typically generate the uh, reconstruction cost estimator and say all right well you go through it with me and tell me where you see a discrepancy on on what i have reported Mm -hmm. um and honestly i'll turn away business if they are kind of thick-headed and just want to move forward because i don't feel like dealing with the the repercussions of that i want my clients to be protected the proper way because you don't need the biggest thing in insurance and all of insurance doesn't matter homeowners you, you don't you don't need insurance until you need insurance. Mm-hmm. Agreed there, yeah.
2: Totally.
1: When I'm sure you've got a lot of case studies to back up, you know, and different scenarios of people not properly being insured versus people being insured and what that process looks like in the event that something happens. You know, and and how much how many loopholes you're going to have to jump through or how how tedious the process is going to be if you're trying to, you know, squeeze out something that you weren't paying for to be insured by.
4: Correct. Yeah, and to, to Tom's neighbor, uh, you know, he's he might be fighting because it wasn't insured correctly. It wasn't insured to value. I, I
0: didn't get the details. I mean, I, you know, it's I should have been like, hey, call Kevin Hamill. We can tell you everything you did wrong, which I'm sure is what he wants to hear in the middle of a, a disaster like that. So, um, but I, I think that that's normal, though. That happens to a lot of people because they just. Like you said, they call in. They get someone not licensed. They don't know what what's going on. And I think this, there's a parallel here between mortgages and, and and when you deal with these big box companies, they just don't get that one on one information that they need. And right. is, is that fair?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. And to Sarah's point, the insu- the homeowners insurance market the the premiums have been increasing big time. Just. Not only because of the supply and demand that everybody is dealing with in every industry these days, because of covid um, but we had also had eighteen weather related disasters with uh, over one billion with a b dollars uh, in two thousand and twenty one wow That and that's nationally or yes, wow, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you look at the news every morning and you see, Tornado. you know, they, right. Yeah. So you get, you get your localized weather, but then when they flash out to what's going on nationally, like, you know, some of you're glad that you're like, well, I'm like, glad that's not going on right here, Right. but you know, it's all over, you know, and wildfires, it's wildfires, tornadoes, floods, yeah. like, and in places where they hadn't been before or where they're now, you know, maybe occasionally they would. And now that's like every week, you know, mm-hmm. this is what's coming up. So it's yep yeah
4: and and the other the other thing with homeowners is so that's the the new home buyer or new home homeowners policy if you will people that don't look at their policies so a lot of times with insurance most most of the people just pay it they don't review the coverages that they have right well inflation we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes is going (laughs) up right well, that means that the cost of everything is going mm-hmm. up. So you you might not be covered properly with uh, your current homeowners policy if you've had it for you know, ten plus years. It might be time that to makes look sense.
2: at so someone's been in their house twenty years.
4: They should definitely and have And their
2: home has appreciated so much in value over the past couple of years. <laughs> yeah, they need to really check right. that.
4: Right, and again, that's yeah. not the market value. Right, right, but it's the, the rebuild value. The rebuild, value. yes, yes, of the cost of materials and everything right. like that. But and also. With everything in life, there's also been um, enhancements done to homeowners insurance policies. So there's coverages that are out there that exist that aren't on those other older policies, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, cyber, cyber liability has been a big thing, not only in business, but uh, now in homes too. So a lot of carriers are starting to offer cyber liability insurance.
1: So do you see, I guess across, I don't know if this would be across the board, but for people that have been in their homes for many years and if their rate is like barely ticking up or is is staying the same um, versus if you've been with the same company and every year you're maybe seeing an increase, is there are there a lot of companies out there that keep your price low but over time are actually reducing your coverage um, in order to keep it at that price versus places that are raising like, oh, my rate went up again, my rate went up again, but they're actually keeping with the same like level of coverage that you would have had. You can't see my hand motions on the radio here that I'm doing. <laughs> so
4: yes, there, there's uh, an inflation rider that that's added to policies to keep up with the inflation. Okay. But again, that's something that's newer. Um, 20 years ago, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't a thing.
1: But if you're somebody who your rate hasn't gone up over the last several years, should you be worried that the coverage you had initially signed up for has decreased in order yeah. to keep your prices low.
4: If it hasn't gone up, then yeah, that's, there's, a there's, problem. A problem. there's a problem for sure. Uh, but to to, to to your point in a way, so if you do a lot of the policies I see are not only under they're not they're under covered. That makes sense. Um, but I can also save them money. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it's kind of amazing, and you know I come out looking like roses, but. <laughs> You know, it's just reviewing your policies. My tagline, as you guys know, is review before you renew. Talk about why
0: that's important. we got about a minute and a half left here. So why should someone be reviewing before they renew? And any like anything else you think people need to know about insurance that maybe are out there, either they've had a policy they haven't looked at for a while, or they're thinking about getting into a home and what they... Like, just any advice you
4: have. Well, I think... So a review before you renew because as as we grow and we get older, things change, right? So you're going to do improvements to your home. Um, you're you're going to have more people uh, in in your household, so you might want to get uh, more of a liability. Um, one thing that I think every homeowner's policy should have is water backup and sewer coverage, which just that basically just means you know if uh, the sewer backs up. Then water's gonna, it has to go somewhere and it's gonna end up in your basement. (laughs) And with all the natural disasters that we're having and all the rain that we're having, I think that's something that I include on every single policy and I make the client say, I do not want this.
2: Mm -hmm. That's good Um, good advice there.
4: And then the other thing that I always try and talk to my clients about is an umbrella policy. Umbrella policies are pretty uh, affordable. Anywhere from 150, they could go up to like 500 if you have uh, multiple properties and teen drivers and things like that. But umbrella policy does not only protect your home and your car, but it also protects your retirement funds and your other assets. All right. So
0: umbrella policies, water backup, review before you renew. Any of this interests you, call (laughs) Kevin Hamill. His direct cell phone is 267-614-4234 text or call anytime. He doesn't care. He's with Alliances Insurance. Yeah, Send a (laughs) pic. Whatever you like. So 267-614- 4234. Kevin Hamill with Alliances Insurance. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for all the support. And thanks for helping all our clients as you've done over the past Seven, eight, nine years now. You want to follow us? You can follow Stacy on Instagram at the number two, Mitch Co, two Mitchco, two M I T C H C O. You can follow Sarah at Ty underscore Ty Time, T Y underscore T Y T I M E. You can follow me on Instagram at Tom Tool Third, Tom Tool three R D. We're streaming live every week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, three o'clock on Tuesdays. That's it for this episode of Tool Time Real Estate Radio. Talk to you next week.
4: Yeah, yeah.